been a week in Nashville, has it not? Uh, I've talked to a lot of you. In fact, I, I think some of you may have gotten a text from me at 1.30 a.m. just because you live on that part of, in parts of those, uh, part of our city that was hit. And, and uh, then, you know, we kind of just worked out from there, and, and it has just been a week. Uh, Lori and I were out yesterday, and, and uh, you know, we just, you, you can't help but notice the, the tragedy and just the amount of uh, just, just debris and the amount of displacement that people are feeling. And, and uh, so we were out in the Hermitage area yesterday, and we did a little bit of canvassing to kind of start the day. And, and as we were kind of leaving doing that, there was this, this what appeared to be some people just moving this tree in a front yard or several trees. And uh, I said, hey, let's, you, know, you know, we got time. You want to stop and let's just do uh, a little bit of work here. We just kind of pulled over and, you know, jumped in where, where they were already working. And I wasn't prepared to, to see what I saw on the other side of the hill that I couldn't see when we stopped. And so this was kind of the view from yesterday where we were. We were kind of in the front. And I don't know if you can see in this. It's just kind of a quick iPhone uh, photo. But there's like this little valley, and you can obviously see the devastation. But, guys, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in this field. And uh, I stood there. It was Lori and I and Gary O'Brien, and we just stood there. And, and it, it was in the midst of this tragedy, there was still this moment of amazement. What you don't see in this picture was uh, I worked side by side with a guy yesterday that uh, he was on a cane. And like you could tell, he kind of drug his foot. And so with a cane in one hand, he would drag a limb with the other hand. This guy had to have probably been in his 70s. I, I worked with uh, young kids packing wheelbarrows full of limbs and branches and trash. I worked with older men. I, I, there was a guy that uh, was there. He had like the striped a train conductor overalls. You know what I'm talking about? And this guy again, you know, the old like international tractor hat. And I love this scene. You know, he, he, it reminded me of my granddad. He's got a chainsaw and he's just going at it, cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And I mean, it was just this beautiful scene. I took this massive branch uh, with an Asian American girl and we toppled this thing over toward the hill. But I saw uh, the most beautiful spread of food that you've ever seen provided by just a random Hispanic community that pulled up and away we went. You, you have to assume that there are poor people in this crowd. There are probably rich people in this crowd. There are black people in this crowd, Hispanics in this crowd, Asian Americans in this crowd. Uh, I met people from that don't even live in our city, don't even live in our state, that just was Saturday, and they said, hey, we just came up for the day. And I stood on this hill, and I, I told Gary, I said, why can't we always act like this? I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he said, love God, love people. I think this is what he, he meant when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so in the midst of this tragedy this week, I, I stood on this hillside and I I just weeped, I, I cried, and I just said, God, I don't understand why we can't live this way all the time. And so I just love this sense where God shows up and he says, let me just, in the midst of this, let me show you how to live or how I intended for you to live life 
all the time. And so I just pray as in the weeks to come, as I know many of you have been out over the last several days and many of you have, uh, you know, will be out over the next several weeks. And, you know, I, I, there's no... There's no big contribution or small contribution to this. You know, you may not be able to wield a chainsaw, but there's something that everybody can do, and, and that's just love your neighbor. And so continue to do this, and I know that our church will, uh, you know, we may have organized times and days, and we may not, and, and I know that you'll just continue to, to love God and love people throughout the, the weeks and months to come. And I've heard of people renting U-Hauls and helping people move, and it's just amazing. Uh, the way God's people respond and how God, even in the midst of tragedy, is showing us these redeeming factors about mankind. Because I don't know about you, I get in these, these ruts where I go, is there any good left in people? And God says, oh yeah, because I'm in the midst of my people. And uh, so just, just kind of remember that as you, as you go forward. And, and uh, after this you know, is long gone and we're, this is what we do, it, we go to the next thing, right? We go to the next social media frenzy, you know, whatever it is. Just, you know, I just pray that God will somehow let this continue to linger with us. These pictures that, not that I show you, but pictures that you will see uh, throughout this. So I want to pray for uh, just everyone involved in this, and, and then we'll kind of dive into uh, our next series. But Father, this morning, uh, even though we're a couple days or several days removed, it's just still right there in front of us. It'll... Uh, for some of us, it'll, it'll be very much in front of us on our drive home because we come from some of those areas. And, and so we can't, help but, um, we can't help but just ache with deep compassion for the things that we see. And God, we are troubled and we are sorrowed and we are even frustrated or perhaps angry. But then, God, we see you in the midst of these. We see it in the midst of your creation. And, God, you didn't create anything that's more like you than people. We were created in your image. And I was so glad yesterday to see your image, your image bearers at work. Some people who probably don't even proclaim you as God, but still they're, they're, they're acting upon this nature that is put within them because it is your nature to just love people. And so, Father, I pray that even in the midst of tragedy, which you always have done, that you will show and you will highlight and you will shine these redeeming qualities that are also deeply rooted in who you are, that grace and mercy and love will be found in the midst of chainsaws and broken limbs and shattered glass and torn off roofs. So, Father, I just pray again that we will respond in such a way that, A, brings honor to you, but... God, we will continue to respond in such a way that shows our true love for neighbor, our true love for humanity, our true love for that which we were created for and in the image of. So, Father, continue to do a great work with your people, for your people, and by your people. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. Over the next few weeks, I just want to walk through some things that uh, was so, so meaningful uh, for me on sabbatical. I did uh, a little bit of study uh, from a book 
And uh, it was kind of planned. I wanted to go through this for myself. And, and as I'm going through it, I just was like, hey, I want to teach some of these things coming out of this. And so Craig Groeschel years ago wrote a book called Soul Detox. And, and uh, I just want to kind of spend a few weeks walking through that. I encourage you to read the book. I'm going to give you some things that's not in the book. Uh, but just kind of walk through that if you're in this uh, place where you're kind of like, you know what, I, I could use a little bit of, of just something to kind of clean the palate for a minute. And you'll kind of see as we go this morning where we're going with this. Uh, but there's a fundamental statement that, that really sets all of this up. And so we're going to kind of let this be the foundational statement for the entire series. It's the whole premise of the book. It's the whole premise of the study. And it's this, we are not a body with a soul, okay? We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. Okay, so let me say that again. We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. So let me tell you why I'm making this such a big deal is because we spend so much time living in this realm of the flesh that we are very quickly convinced that we are a body that just has a soul instead of living in such a way where the soul directs the body. So let me take you all the way back for just a second. I'm going to use quite a bit of scripture this morning. If you've heard me teach, I typically like to kind of stay in one place. Uh, today, you're going to flip a lot or I'll put it on the screen a lot because I want to kind of just use several things here. But in the creation of humankind, when God was creating and crafting us and, and he, he creates from the dust this, this first man that we've known as Adam, look what he says. It says, the, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And look at this. And man became what? Say it together. A living soul. God created a living soul and then formed this physical body around that. And so all we're doing is we're just, uh, we've created a space or God has created a space for the soul to inhabit. It's this housing, if you will. And again, if we, if we don't get to that place where all of the things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks, we have to lead with that we are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. And so sometimes there's these moments that our soul probably many times, not often enough, needs a detox. Now, a detox has become such a crazy trend in our world, right? How many of you have participated in some sort of detox? Okay, you know, growing up, when you heard detox, I'm 42 years old, growing up, when you heard the word detox, you typically thought it meant something to do with someone who was what? It was rehab. It was alcohol, substance abuse, drug abuse, something like that. And so we, I never used this word. In fact, you know, you would hear like my granddad say, you know, we had to put the uncle back in detox. And, 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 but now we throw that word around everywhere. We use it all the time. I worked with a guy several years ago. And he came in, and uh, he was just, sometimes you just look at people. Now, if this happens today, you're going to avoid this person. But before we were all worried about corona, uh, I saw him, and he just looked pale. And then he looked sweaty. You know what I'm talking about? Like that sweat under the eye kind of look. And I was like, Tim, bro, you all right? He's like, yeah, man, I, I'm, on this, I, I'm on this thing called the master cleanse. And I knew better to engage in what is that 
Because here's what you crazy people that always diet, here's what happens. If someone engages you in that, you automatically, it's like you're making money from like selling it. You're going to tell me that I need to be on it too, right? That's, that's the way, hey, I'm on this diet. Can I tell you about it? You should be on it. It'd be perfect for you. And I knew better than to ask, but I said, all right, what is the master cleanse? He goes, it's awesome. And I said, yeah, it looks it. I can tell on your face that it's awesome. <laughs> he says, it's this, it's this drink, and it consists of lemon juice, maple syrup, cayenne pepper, and water. And I said, oh, so you just like have a glass in the morning? He goes, no, that's all I drink. That's all I have, no food for 10 days. And this guy was on like day seven, so he was pale and he was sweaty and he didn't look good. And, and he goes, but man, it detoxes my body. It kind of resets my system. And I'm like, yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> because everybody wants a big glass of lemon pepper juice, right? He goes, ah, oh. and I was like, no. Now, before you get to the, I'm not anti-detoxing. I love a good face detox. Lori and I, we, we occasionally get together, and uh, we detox. I mean, I don't stay looking this young just because. I mean, you got to detox. And so, you know, we, we, we enjoy a good Hawaiian detox sheet mask. This is volcanic clay, guys. It is free of parabens, okay? So if you're looking for a good paraben uh, detox mask. But we love this concept of detoxing. We have all sorts of things. I, I ran across things. People take detoxing baths. They have detoxing salts. So we have detoxing drinks. We have detoxing everything. And we detox our bodies. We detox our faces. We detox our digestive systems. And I wonder sometimes if we neglect the very thing that needs the detox the most. I wonder if we have avoided or neglected or didn't know we weren't aware because, again, we've lived, we live life like we're a body with a soul instead of being a soul with a body. I wonder if we get to this place where we go, you know what? I really could use as a nice soul detox. I wonder if we sometimes don't realize that the culture that we live in and the pace that we live it in and the, all the outlets that are connected to us, the social media outlets, the, the work outlets, the recreational outlets, all these things that plug into us, I wonder if we realize sometimes the deep effects that it has on our soul. And then we do things in this outward physical body realm trying to reset, and there's still something that's missing that says, man, you know what, I just came back from sabbatical, I just came back from vacation, I just came back from whatever, you know, I, I'm in a great relationship, and I just can't seem to catch my breath. And maybe we're detoxing the wrong thing. Maybe we're detoxing the body in hopes that it affects the soul instead of detoxing the soul and watch and see how it begins to affect the body. So we're going to take a few weeks and we're just going to talk about a few aspects that if we leave them unchecked will cause some great harm to our souls. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was really honest last week, I had for the better part of a year or so left some areas unchecked in my life that was causing some harm. And so I began this journey with Craig's help. I began this journey to walk through beginning to detox some things that are in my soul. So next week, we're going to talk about the heavy soul. The week after that, we're going to talk about the tortured soul. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the, the seduced soul. But today, we're going to start, and I think it's the perfect week because of everything that's happened in our city. We're just going to talk about the restless soul, the restless soul. And I'm guessing that all of us reside here in this 
restless state. Way more than we would like to. Can we be honest? How many of you on a regular basis feel some sort of restlessness in your life? And we reside there. We, we, we set up camp there way more than we should. You know, and this again is an age-old problem. If you rewind back kind of to the beginning, right outside the garden, you know, brokenness has entered our world, sin has entered our world, uh, there's consequence now because of our decisions as mankind, and so there's these two brothers, Cain and Abel. And Cain, there's all sorts of jealousy factors, things that we still deal with. There's jealousy factors and frustration and fatigue and, and all of these things. There's anxiety about who's better and comparison. I mean, you talk about all these things, again, that breeds this restless feeling. And so there's something that happens in the life of Cain and Abel, these two brothers. Cain flips out and ends up killing his brother Abel. And so God comes and says, Cain, you know there's going to be consequence to this, right? And here's the consequence that is given down in Genesis chapter 4. Look what God tells Cain. He says, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. He says, now, here's what's happening. Your life's about to get tough. Because of what you've chosen to do, because you've chosen to live as a body with a soul, you're operating in this fleshly realm, and look what he says. He says, when you work the ground, it will no longer yield crops for you. And then look, and you will be a restless wanderer of the earth. And people have been wandering restlessly ever since. And there are days, at the end of my day, where I go, man, I feel like I was a restless wanderer on earth today. And I can't seem to catch my breath. It's this sense that I'm always searching and never finding. It, it, it's just this, I, I'm wanting everything, but I'm never satisfied with anything. It, it, it's this concept of where I end my day and I hit the, the chair and I'm, I'm just wound tight. And maybe some of these describe you or maybe you have your own uh, you know, descriptions for how you feel, but it's just this, I'm tense, I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm concerned, and, and I don't know how to, I, I can't shut it off, I can't shut it down, and, and, and I, I, I find some rest for my body, I can take a nap, I can go to sleep, but there's still something that lingers on through the night into my soul, and I cannot seem to shut it down. Solomon, the Ecclesiastes writer, he writes about this. And he puts such great words on Ecclesiastes 2. He says, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving in which they labor under the sun? He says, what do we get out of I mean, this is what we do, right? We get up and we toil. We, 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 we strive, we work. We, we, I mean, it's just constant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. And this is our day. And he says, you know, what do people get from this? And he says, well, let me give you the answer. All their days, their work is grief and pain even at night, their minds or their souls do not rest. And how many of this is real for us? Tonight, you will lay down, and you just cannot shut it off. There's a thousand things that's running through your mind, and you're watching the clock, and if you watch it like I do, you begin to count in these backward hours. Oh, if I go to sleep now, I'm only going to get six hours. If I, only go to, if I go to sleep now, I'm only going to get five and a half. 
And at some point you get to the place where like, you know, it shouldn't even bother now. Because you can't shut it off. And it's just this, it's just right there. And I just want to tell you that God did not and does not intend for us to live this way. God does not want us setting up camp as a restless wonder. So here's the question. Where do I find soul, where do I find rest for my soul? Where do I find rest for my soul? And I'm going to give you a really, really, really I don't do this often, but I'm going to give you the, I'm just going to give you a big preacher answer, right? Because I can't, I can't formulate this answer any other way. And here it is. Our souls find rest in God alone. And I know that sounds like a cliche cop out, like, but just stay with me. Our souls find rest in God alone. Psalm 62, verse 1, it says, truly my soul finds rest in God. You want true rest. He says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation or my rescue comes from him. Who I am, the essence of who I am, can only find rest in God. It can't be found in another person. Some of you have been there. You've tried that. If I could just find the right person, the right friend, the right companion, the right person to date, the right person to marry, then I can be, I can be at peace, I can find rest, my soul won't be restless, and then we get there and what? We're wishing we had single rest again. Because now you're having to carry some of the burden of their restlessness. And well, you know, I used to be able to go to bed at nine, but now I can't because my my person doesn't, you know, and it's just like, you're like, well, okay, that didn't work. Guys, it can't be found in things. It can't be found in money. It can't be found in promotions. It it can't be found in this. Some of you, and and listen, I just came back off of it. If I could just get to the beach a few days, it would take care of all my restlessness. And then we get back, and guess what? 12.30. If I go to sleep now, I can get five and a half hours. I go to sleep now, there's still this sense of wondering, restlessness. And only in God can we find this rest and rest in who I am. St. Augustine says this. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Until it finds rest in you. You know, Jesus knew this would be a problem. And I love this moment in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is looking into the eyes of undoubtedly some weary people. You know, you can just tell it. Maybe it's that sweat underneath. I don't know. Maybe everybody in the crowd was on a master cleanse. I don't. But, but he, he looked, and I think he addressed this not because of something that might happen in the future. I think he looked out into the crowd and he could just tell. You guys are restless. You are weary. You are anxious. You are concerned. You are worried. There's something going on. And Jesus begins to address this. And I love what he says. He says in verse 20, he says, Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened. Anybody living right there? Who just, I'm I'm weary and I'm burdened. And, And a nap doesn't take care of it. A day off doesn't take care of it. A weekend away doesn't take care of it. 
And he says, I will give you rest. There's a promise there. He says, I will give you rest. For those of you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. But I love that he goes on to add one more nuance to this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And look at this. And you will find rest for what? Your souls. He doesn't say, hey, take a day off and get away with me and you'll find rest for your body. He says, no, no, no. He said, because I know that your restlessness, what I see in your eyes is deeper than the body. He says, come to me, just give it to me, come away with me, submerge yourself in me, and I will give you the rest that you are longing for, the rest for your souls. So where do you find it? Guys, I don't know any better answer to give you than in God alone. So then let's shift for a second to to how. How do I find it? I want to give you three things that I think Scripture points us to and Craig points out in this is just such great. And here's what I pray for us. I pray that you take these things, these passages, and continue to to just soak in them. I pray that that you will continue to just let them saturate. And I'm not telling you they're magic. I'm not telling you like, hey, if you'll say these three things, you will have the best sleep of your life tonight. But if you'll take these three things and begin to incorporate them into your routines, begin to incorporate them into your life, your daily, your mornings, your evenings, those sorts of things, I'm telling you in time, the restlessness will begin to uh, part way. Number one is this, be still before God. Be still before God. Psalm 46, here's what God says. God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. He doesn't say, Be productive, and in that productivity, you'll know. He doesn't say, get busier. He says, be still and know that I am God. Anybody have a kid or a nephew or a grandkid or a neighbor who is that person, or maybe you're married to this person, I don't know, who just can't be still? We spent four days two weeks ago at the beach Lori and I spent the first three or four days by ourselves, and really that was just prep for the nephews who were coming. We needed those three days. But, uh, you know, my nephews were there, and I've got a nephew who just can't be still, our youngest one. We're hearing this commotion out in the pool, and I'm telling you guys, this pool is not that big. I mean, it's probably like three times this rug. It's not a very big pool. And so we look over the balcony, and he has pulled out. We're in a house, okay, like so we've rented a house, and he has pulled out every boogie board which is like 35 boogie boards, he has pulled out every one of them and has put them in the pool. And I think he was trying to create like a floor so he could walk on these. And, and so my sister's like, hey, you're going to crack your head, get out, we got to go anyway. And, and so as the day goes on, he just can't be still. We're trying to watch TV. And it's just like this fidgety, like, you know. And, and so finally my sister's like, Jesse, be still. Just be still. And I'm telling you, it was almost like you had put him in a torture chamber. Like he, it, 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 it's like he, it, it hurts him. And you know people like that, and you feel that way sometimes. Like, just, 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 just be still, be still, be still. The writer in Psalm 131, he says, I have calmed, or he says, I have stilled and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. I, like a weaned child, I am content. He says, I am satisfied in what? 
See, again, we get so satisfied in in productivity. We get satisfied in achieving. We get satisfied in taking the next step. And and this, this writer says, listen, no, no, no. I'm content. Why? Because I have stilled, I have calmed, I have quieted my soul. Well-known fact, I've been doing counseling for quite a while, not like I do counseling, so don't come to me and say, hey, I need you to do some counseling. I will introduce you to my counselor. Um, But one of the things back in in December, as I was prepping for sabbatical, my counselor had told me, and I've heard other people get this advice too, he says, hey, I want to encourage you to to, to be still. I want you to be still. He didn't use this term exactly, he said, I want you to be still before God for five minutes a day. And my first thought was, Dude, seriously, I'm paying you 90 bucks an hour for you to tell me to be still. And he goes, I'm just, just, just be still. And so I went out to Moss Wright, and I thought, you know what? It's a good day. I'm going to take the dogs, which was a mistake. But I, I thought, you know, that would be a great place. And so I just I, I looked at the clock because I wanted to honor. I looked at the clock, and I said, I'm going to be still. And, guys, I wasn't 30 seconds in. I was like, ooh, Ants. I got 45 seconds in, and I'm like, oh, that's a cute dog. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, reset, 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 right? And I thought, okay, maybe it's just the parks. So I'll do it at home. So I, I, I did it at home. I, you know, I got this chair. I turned off Alexa. I turned off all the music. I, I'm, not t- I'm not kidding you guys. The dogs had not moved in two hours. But the minute I closed my eyes to be still, it was like, uh, it was like cheese wrappers had opened up everywhere. They were like, what? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys haven't moved in two hours. Why do you need something now? It was almost like they knew. And here's what I figured out. It is excruciating to be still for five minutes because we don't be, we're just, it's just like, I can't. And so you begin to go, oh man, I got stuff to do and, and, and I, got, I got stuff to know. I mean, somebody might have posted something on Facebook that I really need to know right now and it can't wait five minutes. We can't. We cannot shut it off. And you go, Jason, I, I love this, but I don't have time to be still. And I love what Craig says. He says, you know what? You don't have time to not be still before God. So be still before God. The second is this. Wait before God. Wait before God. You're like, well, isn't that the same? No. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still. There's this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. He says, no, no, you wait. Just wait. See, it's hard for you to wait for me to say the next sentence. Wait. We're not good waiters, but if we're really going to embark on this true rest, detoxing our souls from the restlessness, we have to learn from wait. You know, I hear this from time to time from people. You know, Jason, I don't really ever hear from God. How do you know? I mean, how do you know that God's kind of talking to you, speaking to you, and then you begin to backtrack and go, you don't spend any time waiting on God. You just move. You, you, you can't. It's, again, that stillness and waiting. And while these are slightly, so let's give you a good place to start. Scripture is a great place to start in waiting. 
I heard Andy Stanley talk about this several years ago. He's talking about his mornings and what he does and, you know, his routines. And he says, you know what I do? He said, I don't have any kind of pattern to it on what I read. But in the morning, early morning works for him. It may not work for you. You know, I was all about the men's thing until I saw it was an a.m., 6.30 a.m. and not a p.m. But, uh, you know, I don't do well with mornings. Maybe you're not that person. But he says, you know, I get up in the morning, and he says, I begin to read. I open up, and I, I read until the Lord pulls something out of me that causes me to wait. It just it intrigues me. It interests me. It can, it's a word that can. Sometimes I read a verse. Sometimes I read a phrase. Sometimes I have to read chapter or five chapters. But he said, I read until something grabs my attention. And he says, then I wait right there. I just wait. And he said, and in that waiting, the Spirit does something. God, through the Spirit, does something that sets me up for something that I need that day, that I've needed that week, that I need that month. He said, just wait. And so I just want to encourage you, open up God's word, wait. Wait on him to give you something that will, will, will just intrigue or trigger something. Just listen, meditate. And let me give you a newsflash. God will take care of the world while you're waiting. God will take care of whatever it is that's keeping you from waiting. He'll take care of that. He'll put that on pause until you get back to it to save it. Just wait. Psalm 130, verse 5, he says, I wait for the Lord. Look, my whole being waits. Not just the body, but he says, my whole being waits. And I love this. And in his word, I put my hope. I will wait for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. Wait. I love this watchman kind of uh, uh, example that he gives us. You know, watchmen, they would wait on the walls. And they were looking to make sure that enemies would not approach the city in the darkness of night. But it says they would wait for the sunrise. And you know what came every morning? The sunrise. And then they were done waiting. And I think he's saying there, he says, wait more than the watchman on the wall. He says, you know how the sun rises every morning? That in your waiting... God will continue to rise in these moments. Like clockwork, God will continue to show up in these moments as you wait on the wall. As you wait, God will deliver in those things. And then quickly, number three, I just want you to reflect on God's goodness. We're going to be still before God. We're going to wait before God, and then we're going to reflect on God's goodness. And here's the temptation. We will get tempted, and we will get bogged down, and we will begin to think about all the things that has to be done. Can I encourage you to just begin to think about all the good that God has already done? We're going to be tempted to, and, 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 and we're going to get tempted to be consumed with this concept of what is going wrong and what could go wrong. Can I, just, can I encourage you in those moments to stop and say, oh, but look at what God has already done that has been so right. Psalm 116, I love this, look at this. Returned, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord, say it, the Lord has, because that's a past tense, has been good to you. Look at this, for you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the land of the living. Look at this. He says, you want to know how to return to your rest? Look at what the Lord has done. 
He has saved you from what? Your eyes from tears, your feet from stumbling, all these things. He has delivered us from death. And I, and I began to take inventory of what God has done. And there is nothing bigger that he's done for me than forgive me. He has saved me. He has done that which I cannot do for myself. He has taken care of my faults. He has made me new. And guess what, guys? That's already done. That's done. It is finished. It is complete. And that alone should be this fundamental, this foundational piece that begins to immediately calm me. I don't have to worry about my soul for eternity. I don't have to worry about, can I be good enough? God's already taken care of that stuff. And in that, I begin to, to calm and steal myself, and God will continue to deliver. Things like this will come up that God is always, Scripture tells us God is always working for the good for those who love him. He tell, Jeremiah tells us that God has a plan for you, and it's to do good for you. It's to prosper you. It's to do good things. And so I just want to tell you, when, when, when we get to this place where what waits us tomorrow causes restlessness, can I remind you that God is already in the tomorrow? And he will do in the tomorrow what he has done in the yesterday, and that is deliver and do good and be good, and he will continue to do those things. God doesn't want us to live in this tense, frantic, crazy restlessness. And I believe that this is one of Satan's greatest deceptions in this. I believe that Satan says, if I can't make you bad, I'll make you busy. If I can't make you bad, I'll make you busy. And in that busyness, I will begin to distract and I will create this distraught feeling that will erode away at your trust for God. And you won't even realize that it's happening. Because you're going to look, if we're not careful, and go, my body is good. Meanwhile, Satan is working on the soul and keeping you so wound and so frantic and so striving and so busy that it's hard for you to stop and rest because you can't trust that God's got the moment. So here's how I want to end today. I'm going to ask that if you will, just clear your hands, put your feet on the floor, close your eyes if you want to. I'm going to do something this morning because you're a captive audience. But I'm going to do something that you may not get the chance to do this week, and that is just be still. So breathe in, breathe out. I'm not going to charge you 90 bucks an hour like my counselor does to do this. But just, just be still.
sometimes life has a way of just throwing just unforeseen, like this last week, circumstances that regardless of how much you try to practice these disciplines and be still, it just makes it so, so, so difficult. And I was reminded this week of an old story of a song that you, you will know well. There was a guy named Horatio Spafford. He was a, a lawyer and did several other things in the uh, Reformation movement. In 1871, he lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. And two years later, uh, business demands kept Spafford back on a vacation that they were due to go, and so he, did, he wasn't able to join his wife and his four daughters to this vacation that they had planned. They were going to set sail to England, but the, the daughter and the, the daughters and the mother went on ahead of him. And on, on November 22nd of 19, or 1873, so two years later, while crossing the Atlantic, there was a steamship, the, the SS Ville, was blindsided and struck by an iron vessel, and it killed 226 people aboard that ship, four of which were his daughters. So his wife, Anna, who had survived the tragedy upon getting to England, sent back a telegram that read saved alone she alone had been saved and so he immediately set sail to England having lost a son in 71 and having heard now the news of losing four daughters in 73 and he said he, he looked out from the bow of the ship as it was going through the Atlantic and he said there was just a stillness that came about. There was a peace that came about that was indescribable in the midst of all of this. And this is when he penned the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. And he said, Lord, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. How is that possible? Because he knew that rest and peace can only be found in God alone. Regardless of the circumstances, that will undoubtedly be thrown your way. Rest is possible. So I want to encourage you this week, make a commitment to rest. Write it down, put it on your mirror. Rest. Find a moment to rest, to be still, to be wait. Let the run world run at its pace. But you say, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not running at that pace this week. I'm going to rest. I'm going to be still. I'm going to wait in full faith. And then I want to encourage you to this. Stop trying to change up everything, thinking that it will produce something that it simply cannot. If I change up my diet, if I change up my relationship, if I change up my job, then I'll have rest. I want to tell you, stop changing things up in hopes of rest and be still 
wait and remember the Lord's faithfulness. Father, this morning, we're so grateful that you, in the midst of craziness, even allow an outlet for us to experience rest. So, Father, I'm grateful that you are the creator of our body, but you, in doing so, you created a soul that our bodies inhabit, and you provided us rest for these things. God, our bodies get weary, our minds just wander, and, and, and things wait, and they press, and, and you say, okay, I get it. But there's a way to wait. And Father, for those that don't know Jesus this morning in this crowd, can I just... I pray that you work in their hearts in a way that they will not leave here today not asking the question about, okay, you're telling me that, 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 that peace and rest is found in God, but I don't know God, I don't know Jesus. Will they just, act, that, just Can we just start that dialogue? And for those that, that have drifted far away because of some circumstance that has distracted or it has depleted or it has caused doubt, God, can we begin to renew and refresh those things? For those of us who, and I don't put myself in this category, but for those of us who have a little better handle on this, will you allow them to just speak that truth and to, to speak the encouragement of what they're experiencing in their rest to those of us who can't find it? So God, there's something for all of us this morning. The wanderer, the restless, and the rested. And Father, we know that you'll be in the midst of it all. I pray that regardless of what waits on us this afternoon or waits on us tomorrow, that we will be able to say the words, it is well, it is well with my soul.